Right, welcome everyone to Next Steps Podcast. This is the Tuesday podcast. We're recording it on Monday afternoon. This is the Tuesday one. We spend most of our time talking about the last sermon, and uh, but but as we start, we just want to acknowledge um, and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as, as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on, and we pay respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and for their care for country land and sea over the past thousand of generations. Um, with us in our podcast today, we've got a, a guest. I'm going to call you that. So Paul Manning, uh, all the way from overseas, uh, over a no over straight. So he's a Victorian and he's all right. And uh, so Paul Manning, you're you're with um, Baptist World Aid. So shall we get him to wave? Give us a wave. There we, there we go. Then <laughs> you can tell he's got a virtual background behind him. Um, <laughs> and and all the way from Cambridge, Tasmania. So. Yeah, which is, is great. Hello. <laughs> so, Paul, um, well, I'll, I'm going to give you both a few questions just so people can get to know you. Paul Paul spoke at church last Sunday. He's touring around Tassie this coming week a bit. So what are you doing this week? Who are you going to see? Okay, yeah, it's been great um, to be here uh, for another week in Tasmania. Uh, so I was at Citywide, as you um, most of you know, uh, on Sunday. Uh, then I'll be meeting with pastor groups uh, in Hobart and in Launceston and then up in Alveston um, over on Monday and Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I'll join um, all the um, Baptist churches as they gather um, on Friday and um, Saturday uh, and then get to speak at Bernie uh, on, um, on Sunday. Uh, so um, catch up with a few um, a few one-on-ones with some um Faithful supporters of Baptist World Aid too, in the midst of that, and um, and then after that, um, because it's Melbourne Cup Day, um, in uh, Melbourne on Tuesday, I get um, uh, we're taking a few days off. My wife Liz is here with us or with me, um, and we're going over to Frasernay and um, spending a few yeah. days there. Yes, yeah, a part of Tassie we haven't been to, yeah. Yeah, great. And um, for people listening in, you can actually pop in the comments places you think that they should see when they're near Freysenay on the East Coast. <laughs> That'd so be very helpful. And they'll have time. We'll pass them on. They'll have time to actually read them and think, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the berry farm at Swansea. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so oh, that sounds very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good. And we don't take any sponsorship from any of those places we recommend. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and we... So you're so Paul's talking about that's the Melbourne Cup day on Tuesday next week. I think it is two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tuesday week. Yeah, we've just had the Hobart Show Day. And what were you doing on Thursday last week? Um, I was helping my husband Dale get himself organised to go up to the northwest coast. Uh, mm-hmm. He was uh, packing the car with all kinds of things. I was helping him with wood and Rio and um, yeah. All kinds of things. So that was my, and then I sort of finally got out the door and I just took it easy for the rest yeah. of the afternoon. And then he yeah. took some, six and a half hours what, for what was for a four-hour trip between roadworks and road closures due to flooding. And also because you can't drive past the Ross Bakery or the Campbelltown shops. <laughs> I think he did pop into Campbelltown, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great. Um, so, Paul, you, you threw um, the sermon on Sunday, last Sunday. I was pretty interested in the the topic and also the videos you've, you've shown us. Uh, I'm just going to pop a slide up. 
this was talking taking us through um a women's encounter with jesus the, the some of the women that we know jesus encountered through the through his time through his three years ministry i i wonder if you could you give us a quick story on a couple of these and how did jesus interact with them yeah so um I won't, um, I, I spoke about the crippled woman on Sunday, so um, um, I'll leave her story as um, I spoke. The other one, um, one might be the really sick and really tired woman, which is the story um, Jesus was um, Jesus was out and about. Um, uh, people were crowding around him, which is not unusual. Uh, and, uh, and then this woman who um, had um, a bleeding issue <clears throat> for years and years and years, um, uh, now that that what that meant was um, she was um, she was uh, couldn't mix with society, so mm. she lived on the margins of society. Um, mm. She was seen as unclean, um, so she would have faced isolation, loneliness, mm. um, probably poverty, uh, or um, all those uh, um, aspects of what it means to be on the margin of society. Mm. She um, she uh, knew that Jesus was passing by somehow and she pushed her way through the crowd so just think about what i just said and she's doing this mm -hmm. and she touches his garment and jesus stops and says who touched my garment now his disciples with them said well jesus we're in the middle of a crowd like hundreds of people are touching you he goes no someone touched my garment and um and the woman um clearly showed signs that she was the one and he turned and said you know your faith in me um, has healed you. Um, go, be well, live um, mm. the fullness of life that God intends for you to live. And she was instantly healed. And what that meant, she was restored back into community. Uh, mm. So that's one story that Jesus um, Jesus did. Um, the other one that um, the other one that um, might stand out is um, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus arrives after a, a long journey and is thirsty. It's midday. He sends his disciples into the local village to get food. <clears throat> While he's there at the well, he notices this one woman. So really odd. She's not with the other women of the village. And also it's midday. It's very hot. You don't go and get water in the hottest part of the day. Uh, so she's by herself. So clearly she's on the margins of society. She's probably experiencing isolation, loneliness also. Um, and she starts having this conversation with Jesus. And she soon realises um, uh, that, um, that he is someone unique and different and is someone, there's a stirring within her heart and within herself where she realises um, um, through what he says that she he is actually the source of life, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and he he says to her if you you know if you drink from um, the well the water that I provide you you'll never get thirsty and clearly he was speaking about um, a spiritual thirst that we all have, and she was so excited she runs off into the town and brings everyone back, mm -hmm. uh, and we hear how um, how that whole town. Um, changed and um, and embraced Jesus um, mm. as someone to follow and call their own. So again, mm. she then um, was um, redeemed back into community and also um, given hope of a life, um, a life to the full. Yeah, yeah. Probably the final one I highlight is um, what is titled here is the sinful woman. Now, Jesus is at <clears throat> a party in the Pharisees' home, right? 
And somehow this woman found out uh, that this was happening. So she goes to that party and interrupts the party. She brings with her perfume and it's in a jar. So those two items would be very expensive, both mm -hmm. separately. And she pours the perfume over Jesus's head and feet and, um, and wipes his feet with her hair. Now, this woman, it's insinuated, has, um, is in an industry that um, is probably um, seen as very unsavoury to have, um, to be in um, company with. Uh, but here's this, here's this woman uh, doing this. Uh, Jesus knows what they're thinking, every, all the other men at the party. And he, he turns to her and again says, um, you know, I've come into this place and these guys did nothing for me and yet you have welcomed me, you've anointed me, you've done the customary things uh, that should be done when you go into someone's home. Uh, and your faith in me has again healed you and restored you. Um, go into life now with this new freedom that I can give you. You don't need to sin anymore. You don't need to, um, you don't need to search for any identity. Um, your identity is found in me, in your God. Uh, and so again, we see someone given freedom by Jesus. So they're really all stories of how encounters with Jesus changes people's lives. Uh, and it just shows where God's heart is. Um, it is with all people, but particularly those who are vulnerable, uh, who are on the, who are marginalised, um, who are seen as not worthy uh, by um, their culture, society, and and God, Jesus says, you are worthy because I have made you in my image, and so that already gives you worth and dignity, and I have come, Jesus says, to give you life to the full. Uh, so if you believe in me and follow me, uh, that, you know, you have a future that is um, full of life and a future of hope. So, yeah, they're really, um, they're really encouraging, inspiring and challenging stories because mm. we are now as followers of Jesus are called to be his hands and feet. So mm. that means we need to be acting um, and um, operating and engaging with people the way Jesus did. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come to that bit in a sec. That's that's exciting. That one, one thing I love about these three stories you've shared is that in the third one, it's it's not a physical illness, but it's more emotional, social healing that Jesus done did, yes. does. And you see this probably this woman through through you hear about her a few more times through the story of Christ and it's um just watching the freedom, the life that she finds. She, she is healed, not physically, but in another way. But one interesting thing in here in these three stories is these are women who, even amongst women, would have been fairly outcast. So even absolutely, amongst, even yeah. amongst their own people, they were outcast. So I wonder, can we just capture a little bit? What was it like? Do we think? Do we guess? Being a woman in Jesus' time, but then, but then we need to amplify this that even these women were not accepted within their within groups of women. So what, what, give me some clues. What was it like being a woman in Jesus' time? How would you describe it? And do you want to kick that one off? Okay. <laughs> well, I think um, they, they didn't have the same access to power and influence. I mean, they might get and influence in the same way that men did. Um, mm -hmm. And I, the story about the woman at the well, I find a really interesting one. Because obviously she'd, she'd had some pretty tough 
times in her life. You know, she's got, she, she's pretty disillusioned um, with men, with community, and and then here's this rabbi, and she knows he's, and and of course she's also as all the people did, suffered a different kind of stigma again, which was the one of not being the racially pure race. And mm. so there was this racial discrimination that she mm. was doing. So there was a lot of built-up disillusionment and bitterness. Mm. that, and, and she carries this. And I, and the way she responds to Jesus, I just love, you know, oh, you know, this man, he's, one, he's a man, two, he's a Jew, and, and she's had some rough, feelings or you know whatever with the Jews and mm. um and he comes and he approaches her and you know she must have been thinking oh what's he want you know what's he after you know and, and rightly suspicious and then he kind of neutralizes all that and then she wants to um get stuck into him about you know like we're just our religion is just as important as your religion you know yeah. and, you know she's 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 quite defensive um but she's got a build-up of all kinds of ain't mm. And that's understandable, I think, really. But um, and in, and instead of just giving air to some of that angst, he just pushes past it. He just gets right past to the heart of what the issue is, which is life and love and care and acceptance. And um, and it, and I um, I just think like there's a level of invisibility that um, certain. I think all women, to some extent, probably in that culture, could suffer from, but especially certain um, certain women with certain status, especially. Mm. And um, I, I like the story of the woman who um, touched his cloak. One of the things I love about that is she would have been sidelined spiritually as well. She wouldn't have mm. had access to you know, the temple and just what other people would take for granted in terms of spirituality, she didn't have as well as being stigmatised in terms of socially being out of it. And I love the way, you know, he, like it, Jesus could have just allowed her to be healed and not drawn attention to her, but that would have only given her physical healing. Mm. Mm. She needed, as you said, Paul, was restoration into community and into her spiritual, into a spiritual life that was vibrant, and yeah. that wasn't going to happen unless he drew attention to the fact that she was healed. Yeah. And and like I think, did he tell her to go to the authorities and just have it absolutely made clear that she was she was fine? There yeah. was he actually wanted to see her re-engage or yeah. um, into a full life and that's one of the things i love about the baptist world aid vision it's you know that every person will live a productive life to the full as god mm. is in um yeah so i could go on but you know like as mm. you pointed out the the studies um and all of them uh speak mm. to yeah, yeah a level of invisibility that gets picked up and dealt with by jesus mm. he notices yeah yeah, Paul. Is there anything you want to add into that? that bit? No, I just um, the women were definitely, um, as a whole, no matter who you were, um, even even the most sort of powerful woman was still subjected to um, the opinion of men. Um, yeah. It was an extremely patriarchal society, mm -hmm. uh, and so um, that did create um, 
they were they were power they were powerless um voiceless mm. we see we see it operating in a country at the moment where the mm. women are saying we've had enough um you know it would have been like that maybe not that extreme but those types of feelings that we see expressed on the news today um mm. would have been how women would have been felt so you're right um these women um you know you've already you, they're already part of a group that is um you know be seen but don't be heard and now this group of women is don't be seen and don't be heard so mm. they're really getting pushed right down yeah yeah, yeah. and they, jesus they, just they, hones mm. in and says mm. no i'm actually going to lift you up and mm. i'm going you know the sinful um woman um i'm going to lift you up and above this group of men who are the religious leaders um, of the day yeah, you are you are you are actually elevated above them because of your yeah. faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and and so it, it does. Ref- mm. Yeah, and it does reflect. Um, they all do reflect, like as you pointed out, spiritual struggle. Mm. You know, um, you've got you've got um, these situations where there was um, um, cultural, social um, outcasts. You've got um, health issues. You know, today we have like mental health issues. Uh, we have physical issues, um, all of those things um, produce in our life not only physical struggle but also there's there comes with it a spiritual struggle because we're all left wondering, like you said, you know, where is God in this, and and what mm-hmm. what um, um and, and does He care for me, and um, what does this mean for me, and what does this mean for my faith? So all those all these women would have been having that spiritual struggle too, and you're mm-hmm. right, Jesus didn't only address the physical the here and now he also addressed their um their inner life and their spiritual life yeah Mm. yeah a good clue on what we on the balance that we should be holding to yeah yeah and similar to what we're about to talk about with baptist world aid these these women women wouldn't have access to education beyond a certain point (laughs) they they would be seen as commodities to be traded or possessions trophies uh yeah child rearers it it was a oppressive time for women back then Mm. um it's hard for us in our society today i I know our women still face oppression but this was a lot higher proportion (laughs) ratio whatever yeah but let's talk about um baptist world aid because you brought up a couple of stories that relate to this so lack of education educate i think you used the phrase i didn't write it down education is a a ticket or a passport out of I can't remember oh, what you said. education um unlocks the future for anyone mm. okay e- even even here in australia yeah. um education is crucial mm-hmm. um the church knew this where did schools and the education system which we now take advantage where did it come from it came from the church. Yeah. Um, eventually, the church realized we need to, if we're wanting to change the world and to be part of building God's kingdom, we need our people to be educated because that just empowers them more. So, in so, for me, it, it, education is crucial. Um, it's crucial here in Australia that all people have access to good quality and I will say free education right through mm-hmm. to tertiary. Um, level that's just a little little statement there uh, because it's so vital um, for not only the person but also for our country too mm. and it's the same with those countries um, where there's high proportion of people living in poverty 
where education just seems so far removed. And we know that if we provide education for women, uh, for um, girls, uh, for boys and for men, then it, it enables them and empowers them to be able to um, um, work at um, lifting themselves and their village and community out of poverty and importantly to stay out of poverty um, and have that future of um, where a future that's um, where they can flourish and enjoy the fullness of life yeah yeah and I think one of the things that I really like about what Baptist World Aid does and there's other aid organizations that do the same thing um, increasingly they they don't see themselves as being the answer they don't, no. that's what I love. It's not about going in and saying, hey, you know, we can help you, you know, we'll get, we'll do what we want. It's, it's actually about working in partnership. It, it's, it's about finding local people who can work as well and understand the conditions, but also it's about um, seeing like the, you mentioned, you, just, you know, you've got child sponsorship, but it's about actually seeing the child as part of a family, which is part of a community, and that you you can't treat, you can't, um, if you're going to help one, you ha it, it means helping all of them. And it, it is about helping them not to by doing for, but by enabling them to, um, yeah, make their own lives and decisions. Mm, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. You know, they're the ones living their lives. They're the ones perfectly capable as long as they've been given the resources and the opportunities to actually um, make the decisions themselves. And, yeah, and it's absolutely. releasing those opportunities and releasing those resources mm. so they can. Yeah. We, um, yesterday I mentioned um, <clears throat> um, uh, a young woman called Kismati. Now, she was, she was involved in school. Um, and um, what happened was that her her family, her mum, we hear from her mum, but um, uh, they were facing financial difficulty to the point where they thought the best option is to actually sell um, uh, Kismati and her brother uh, into marriage to solve financial problems. Now, um, Kismati wasn't only, so what that meant was she was withdrawn from school, okay? The advantage was that Kismati was part of one of a youth club that our one of Baptist World Aid partners had established. And the youth club leaders um, were able to step in and work with Kismati's mum and her parents and, um, and um, work with the school. And the end result was, Kismati was enrolled back into school. She was funded through the youth club. And her mother was able to change her frame because she didn't want, she talks about when she was sold into marriage as a, as a, I think she said she was like three, right? Mm -hmm. And then she went off to live with her um, husband's family at about um, 11 to 14, the girl goes off and that's it. So we were just talking about what's it like to live as a woman in Jesus's day. Hmm. Here and now, there are women in Nepal, for example, that's the country we're talking about, who are sold into marriage as young children, then shipped off to the family. And 
Kismati says, my voice, I would have had no voice. I would have had no choice of future. I would have had to just do what my husband's family told me to do. Now, um, um, it was because um, of our involvement that we were able to stop um, stop that and Kismati was able to get the education that she needed to go on um, and, um, and outwork some of her dreams that she had. We, what we I, can come, yeah. I was just going to say what I really liked about your story too, and again, this is about recognising that a child, an individual is part of a family, which was part of a community, mm. is the knock-on effect of that. The hope that created in that family knocked on into other families and the example became an example that they could all benefit from. Absolutely, and, yeah. And, 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 and I loved it when you said that now that community, it doesn't actually have anyone going into child marriage. Yeah, a, yeah, it, yeah. So it's quite foreign for us um, mm. here to think that these are real issues, but a statement like that village is now child marriage free is, mm. is amazing. Yeah, mm. picking up on what you said, um, we have a, we we have a um, we we launched a motto for our church our child uh, sponsorship, and it was um, it takes a child to raise a village. Mm. Now, you would have heard that said differently, <laughs> and it's picking up on what you said. It's because um, we do believe that you know through the sponsorship of children. We changed many years ago um, where it wasn't just the child being sponsored that gets uh, that gets the benefit. Uh, it's the whole village and community in which they live in. So we actually use child sponsorship to fund our community development. Um, and it is literally that, it's community development. And that's why we say it takes a child to actually raise a village because it's through our children and youth clubs that we actually empower young people and children, they go back into their families and tell what they've learned, mm. um, and then they start talking to their neighbours and all, and the and the, the whole village becomes educated, and it's through the empowerment of the children and young people. Uh, mm. So um, we also have our our ultimate aim is to actually finish with the community. Our, our community development is not. Um, unending. It's like we believe through our experience that it'll take about nine or so years and then you guys will be equipped and empowered enough to be able to um, have a sustained life um, mm -hmm. where um, where poverty is not, um, is not um, part of that life for you, where education is available, healthcare is available, um, social, social um, culture has been improved to reflect the rights and, di and dignity of all people. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite an exciting way of approaching um, um, helping others. And, and as you mentioned, we, we actually go in, it's actually, it doesn't just start like that. We don't come in with like this cookie cutter um, um, process. Once a community is identified as, um, you know, they are a community in need, we, we spend some, um, a year or so working with them going well what do you what do you need what do you how how do you see your situation how can we support you um we can we can guide them and help them and we've obviously got expertise we can import but it's in response to them it's not on top of we don't sort of dump it on top of them 
mm. uh, much, much better um, outcomes. Um, and it's actually how Jesus responded to people that way too. He comes alongside, he imports, like the woman at the well, he imports, he does listen to her, but you're right, he just sort of pushed through. He didn't get he didn't get sidelined by her history. He, he had validated it, but pushed through and said, hey, if we work together, if you work with me, there's a future that's brighter. Yeah. And I, I think also in a lot of the cases where you, where, where you read about um, his interactions that resulted in healing and restoration, um, people would come to him and then he would quite clearly, he would say, what do you want from Absolutely. me? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, well, I know what you want. I'll just give it to you. It was, yeah. what do you want from me? It was actually yeah. involving them and inviting them to identify what their needs were yeah. and how he, and how they saw him as helping them. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. And you know what? Of all people who knew what someone else wanted, or needed it was jesus he already knew what they wanted and needed yeah. but he yeah. never ever imposed yeah yeah mm. and and so as a mission organization it would be possible to come in and deliver programs hoping that that would transform a community you i think you're hinting that we don't come in to deliver a program the program is the method by which we transform community but, but yeah but i think for you guys coming in seeing the needs doing the research getting the lie of the land um how what is how would you summarize baptist world aid's approach to mission um so uh it, it is um it is um a partnership uh it is about in working um and partnering with people to um to bring change uh to their circumstance so that they can flourish and can live the life um, in full that God intends. Uh, so uh, we work with local community groups. We work with um, with um, uh, local churches. We work with local Christian organisations. Uh, but the crucial elements, if you're saying what is the what is the method, it is definitely partnership, uh, and um, and it's also um, with the attitude that, you know, you can learn from us, but you know what? We can learn from you. We're going to do things which brings change in your life, but you know what? You're going to do things which brings change in our life. And that's really what we're really trying to work with our our, our local partners here, our, our supporters, um, and trying to highlight for them, you know, it's not just all a one-way um, street. It's what what are you learning? What 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 is God doing in your life through your involvement in um, in in learning about your um, your um, child that you're supporting? What 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 is that child teaching you? What's God teaching you through that child's life? How is, how is that child changing you? Um, how are you changing? So it's a real it's a real equality in it too. Yes. So um, uh, so it's quite encouraging um, uh, to um, an encouraging approach. Uh, it does address you know um, as we see Jesus goes in and he addresses the, the physical and the pragmatic and the the need that's there. Um, which just opens up the way to be able to um, provide opportunity to actually um, speak 
um, God's love into people's life as well as show them. But um, we can't just go in and say God loves you when they're, they're starving, um, when they're living um, day to day. Uh, uh, it doesn't work that way. And all those stories um, show us that Jesus didn't do it that way either. Yeah. And it is it is about making a change sustainable into the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and although you've focused in this conversation about a child sponsorship, you had a video and you mentioned also in your own um, message um, spoke about a number of other active uh, other ways that Baptist World Aid. Um, supports and, and enables people to lift themselves yeah. from poverty. Yeah. So I was going, yeah, so I was just, I was just about, I was just thinking about that as those aspects too. I was just about to say, you know, um, we, um, we launched a new, um, or we begun a new um, five-year vision. Um, and part of that five-year vision, um, what some of those components are, that our focus is going to be on women and, um, and youth. Now, people might say, particularly if you're a man, Dan, we might say, oh, well, what about us? But the reality is our work has always been a focus on women. Um, and we would say children. However, we're actually saying youth. Now, we in this country know, and in churches know, the importance of empowering our young people. Well, it's just as important over there. So that's one focus. Another focus is on um, disaster response, but it's also disaster building disaster resilience. Um, and, um, and what's been encouraging was that through the pandemic, the communities in which we worked, worked in and were working in had a higher level of resilience in response to the pandemic than communities that were around them. That was encouraging. And I used a story um, in Bangladesh about a response to a, um, um, uh, um, a cyclone uh, that, um, that they were able to respond to, um, um, they were able to prepare for it and they were able to do the response after it. Uh, and that was because we'd built in resilience for them. So that is definitely another area. We actually have more ways of engaging with um, Baptist World Aid, um, not just child sponsorship, which is a regular giving way of being a partner. But we launched this year another way, which is Better World Ambassadors. And that's so that um, that, that way is saying that you actually um, are wanting to partner with Baptist World Aid in, in, all, in its fullness in what it does, um, mm -hmm. in its um, community development, child sponsorship, in its disaster response, in its advocacy. We have a massive advocacy role too. Uh, so um, that, and it goes, I want to do that. I don't want to just be specifically in one area. And one way that we you can partner now um, is through Better World Ambassadors. It's a great opportunity. And it's where we're really picking up um, that um, as you give regularly, um, uh, we're also going to give back in a way where we're going to help you see how do you respond to the challenges of this world, um, to the issues of justice and um, advocacy. Um, how do you respond to those through a gospel lens? 
And so we're wanting to feed and help you encourage and encourage you in that way. Want to connect you with other um, with other ambassadors uh, and really build this movement of people towards um, responding to um, the injustice um, that um, that um, and and to poverty that um, is really prevalent in our world today. So mm. yeah, that, that's it's quite a big scope. Mm. Um, Baptist World AIDS yeah. ministry and work. Yeah. And, and and all across the world, like you you spoke, you had two stories from Bangladesh and um, uh, Nepal, but in yeah. fact, the work of Baptist World Aid is is global, isn't it? We're in the Pacific region, we're in Africa, yes, and yes, um, yeah, and parts Middle of East. Middle yep. East and, and yep. even yep. Europe, I guess, as well. And and that's where some of the advocacy. I mean, you've done had some fantastic campaigns, and you mentioned that. You've just released your latest um, ethical fashion guide. That's a that's been a great yes. initiative, hasn't it? Uh, yes. So that's um, that um, got released last week. I'm very excited. It's it's a um, for those. I was just talking to someone. Uh, yeah, uh, the, on Sunday, um, a young person was talking about how they explored another um, guide, and I said, "Well, you realise that you know Baptist Toward Aid, they were they were the pioneers in this area." Uh, and uh, and a great a great team led by Sarah um, has worked really hard this year and um, and uh, has uh, put and, and developed a great report. Uh, mm -hmm. They uh, there's a new scale of um, of of how we um, how we measure and rate, uh, which is exciting. Um, and also it includes footwear this year, uh, uh -huh. so um, so that's a new aspect of it. Uh, so it was. It's really worth going onto the the site as um as uh, Dan's popped up um those um uh, those screens. Uh, mm -hmm. Read the report. It's a great report to read. Uh, look through the guide. See where your brands that you normally buy um, sit, uh, and uh, and uh, and respond accordingly. It's a very simple way to be involved in advocacy and injustice. We've actually. Companies have actually changed practice. This means that people in countries like Bangladesh, where uh, you know eighty percent of their export is in um, is in manufacturing, is in clothing manufacturing, right? So it's significant. People's lives have been changed because of the pressure that was put on here in Australia through an ethical fashion guide. Now that's just amazing. Yeah. Um, we we um we we can bring about change yes yeah. for it. And, yeah. and, and we also advocate um you know there's um uh there's uh, uh advocacy that happens here uh and also in other places um across the world uh where we um where we go in uh to bat so to speak for australian expression uh for those who um who need our help and who need our voice um so um yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. And um, we'd really encourage you to go and have a look at the website. I mean, here's, here's what you're talking about before as well, the Better World Resources. So go and have a look at Baptist World Aid website and have a good set aside a bit of time to have a, have a look around. Um, really encourage you to do that. Um, one thing that's come up a few times in this conversation is the word dignity. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, there are two two things for me. One one is how do you explain 
the old <clears throat> colonialism missionary argument of sending, you know, sending in the experts, that sort of thing. That's one part. Um, and then why do you, why are you, why are we using the word dignity quite often in this work? So should we tackle the first one first? Because this has been quite a change in mission over the last 20 years is colonialism and mission. Do you want to describe that a little bit and how that's evolved? Me? Yeah. <laughs> well, this would be, this is clearly personal reflections. Yeah. Uh, but I, and observations which I which I've done through reading and um, watching and listening, I think um, and and it's not um, and and it's also recognizing that clearly good things did happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but we also have to recognize that at times it wasn't done the best way. And I think um, I think. Uh, and they're quite related, actually, to the word, like, yeah, what does dignity mean? Mm. I think even in even in just general life, if you walk into a situation, uh, despite what you know, who you are, your experiences and your expertise, and you go in with an attitude of, um, I know best, and so everyone is going to do it the way that I perceive it needs to be done. I really don't see that that goes that that's in synergy with Jesus's call for us to be servant leaders hmm. and to live um, a humble life, to be like Him, who humbled Himself enough to step down off the throne at the right hand of the Father hmm. to become a human. Um, to lessen himself and to um, and to live a humble and servant life. Hmm. So I see colonialism, a lot of the stories that you read, it was uh, coming in and saying, do it our way. That's why you can travel in places and suddenly you'll walk around the corner and there's this weird-looking building. Now, it's a church building. It looked fine in Hobart. But it doesn't look fine in the, in the place where you're looking at it. And then you go into the um, um, place because it's Sunday and it's like you've just time warped back to Hobart because it's done like a service you'd experience here. And it's mm -hmm. still happening today. Like you, they, and the, the, the um, residue of that is still there today. So mm -hmm. there was no, it was like, this is the way to do it. This is the best way. This is the only way. Do it our way. Mm. Um, so fit in with the program or get out. Um, that's, I mean, we've already said that's not how Jesus um, went into situations. Yeah. Um, and again, we're talking about a person who is the one who actually had the right, really, to go in and say, I know what's best. You need to do what I tell you to do it and how I tell you to do it. He didn't do that. So yeah. we shouldn't do that. So that's how I see colonialism. Yeah. Great things happened. Uh, I, I don't think you should that we should um, you know just disparage everything, but we should learn. We should mm. learn because if we don't learn from and uh, learn from where we've come from, then we're um, we're just going to perpetuate things which we really should let go as we move forward. So that's how I perceive colonialism and the difference now is. As followers of Jesus, we need to go in. We need to 
We need to go in with listening ears and open hearts. We need to hear them, um, hear their pain and struggle and what reality is like for them. And then um, we should have enough faith and trust in our God that he will work through us uh, to actually outwork his grace and his purposes for the, the people's lives. Um, mm. And so, yeah, we should stay off the throne and let God stay on it. Yeah. And I, and I think, like you said, you know, grace to work through us, but I think also God loves and wants to work through the people that um, mm. the Baptist world lady is helping. And it is about yeah. recognising, you know, dignity is actually about seeing somebody as a person. Mm. And it is about recognising their worth, their value, mm. and, and that they have a contribution that's just as important mm. as mine, as, as yours. And um, and that's, I think, you know, like Jesus always saw the person. Mm -hmm. He always saw the person. Yeah. And he always responded to the person. And, um, yeah, and, and so, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I think and I, I agree. I, I think one of the most crucial passages in, in the Bible is um, God created them, male and female, in his image. He created them. Mm. Because that gives us, if you're ever wondering um, what where your worth and identity comes from, it, it is, its foundation is God. It is yeah. his character. Mm. Um, if you want to know what it's like to be human, um, what it means, um, why we should treat everyone with dignity it's because they reflect god uh mm. they um yeah they reflect god uh mm. and if we're ever in doubt and not still not quite convinced on that then we skip forward a couple thousand years when god actually came sent his son manuel god with us lived out a life showed us what it meant to live in relationship with god and to reflect god then he decided that he would take on um, the punishment for our sin. So he would he would take responsibility for our response to God, which was quite negative, uh, and uh, and he would open the way for us to be reconciled and redeemed and have that possibility of fullness of life. Mm -hmm. uh, so he showed God's love. So if you're ever in doubt that whoever you're with or, uh, you know, the saying goes, you've never looked in the face of someone who God doesn't love. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, but that's quite challenging sometimes. Um, and um, uh, But that's the reality. We're mm. made in his image. God has shown us how much he loves us mm. through Jesus. Uh, mm. And just that is why we mm. should treat everyone with dignity, respect, um, it is innate in who we are as humans. Angels don't have that. Other creatures don't have that that was created. Mm. Creation, yeah, only us humans were created in his image. Mm. Um, and and he, he came pursuing us in his love, loving action mm. through Jesus. Yeah, that's great. We need to come into to a close. Um, I'm tempted to let you finish with those words because that was pretty, pretty 
significant. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish up? Well, one question I had while you think about that is, and you seem to know a lot about Baptist World Aid. I should have introduced it at the start. <laughs> What's your history with Baptist World Aid? <laughs> um, well, I was on the board of Baptist World Aid for about um, five to six years, a mm. while ago now, but um, it's a passion and a heart that um, led me to become a board member back mm. in 2008, so it's a while ago now. Um, and that passion has never left me, really. But and what did you learn from being on the board? What are some of well, the can I just say, she would have been on the board when we actually transitioned and changed yep. to the model of community yes. development that's that exactly now right. exists. So that's yep. why, um, yeah, um, so Anne would have been part of that, um, that shifting um, yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I was. And it was a privilege to be part of it. Um, and in fact, um, I went back. Uh, so I left it. I was, it was health reasons that in the end I left the board. But, and I love, and I was, there was a real regret there. Um, but uh, there was a 60 year anniversary in 2019 mm. for Baptist World Aid, 60 years of being. Um, what it is and and yes it has changed through that time but it was just such a wonderful celebration of of what god has been doing and just i love just how um uh god's spirit works in people who profess faith but it's more than just words it is actually mm -hmm. translated into action and um and to see that and see the history of that and to see the passion and the heart for it as it continues um, and responds in, in, in what our current day and age looks like, is it's very special. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. Great. Well, Paul, is there anything you want to add before we finish up? No, I think oh, that's, thank you. It's been great to um, chat with you too um, this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks. So, so if you're listening, um, you can type in some questions or comments in the podcast. Go, go and have a look at the Baptist World Aid website. Um, often you'll be asking, well, how can I make a difference? Well, go and look at the Baptist World website and it'll give you loads of options of how you can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Put, yeah. put in a bit of your own time and research and work out, you know, what you think God's leading you to, if, if that's the case. Yeah. So, Great. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks for speaking at church. You, Thank you've you. done a great job. And Anna and I are now going to score you out of 10 of how you've done over the last two days. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Obviously, it's a 10. Uh, yeah, Very thanks a lot. generous. Thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Thank yeah. you. Bye.